1: Hey, this is Tim Eccles. I'm vice chair of the Georgia Public Service Commission, and I am sitting atop 270 Peachtree Street, the headquarters of the Georgia Chamber. Beautiful, beautiful morning. And I'm with uh, Chris Clark, one of my favorite guys across our state. He runs the Georgia Chamber. Chris, how's it going?
0: It's going great, Commissioner. Thanks for having me on this morning. Hey, with the pandemic, uh, as we think about how
1: it's impacted businesses, how it's impacted impacted membership here we're coming out of it i'm fully vaccinated you're fully vaccinated what as you look back what 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 is the big impact on business on our economic development and everything coming out of this because it seems like our revenues are up right
0: now So it's interesting, right? It's almost bifurcated. You've still got impact to small businesses, right? You've had about a 32% decrease in small business revenue last year and about 30% fewer small businesses starting up in Georgia during the pandemic. Now, that started to come back and we feel good about it. But on the other side of the house, from the corporate standpoint, uh, the numbers are great. And I, a lot of applause over to our friends at the Department of Economic Development and Governor Kemp. You had a 40 percent increase in project announcements last year, 49 percent increase in the amount of investment in Georgia. And we're 30 percent ahead of where uh, so far this year of where we were last year. So Georgia's economy is very strong. The rebound is strong. And I think we're coming back. Quicker than we did after the last pandemic, but we still do have a few sectors that that we're you know concerned about.
1: Chris, I was recently in LA, touring the Port of LA, touring the BYD bus plant, and I I went through Torrance, California, which is just you know south of LA, on the South Bay, and the Toyota corporate headquarters is empty. They've moved to Texas. The R and D building is empty. It's just a just a desert there. Nissan has moved to Tennessee. We're seeing more and more companies leave states like New York and California and come east. Why
0: is that? I think it's several different issues out there, right? So one is the business climate you know, if, if you want to have, you know, manageable regulations, you want to have low taxes, then you want to be in a place like Georgia. And I think we've continued to see that investment from around the country. But also, it's about talent. At the end of the day, these companies are going to move where they can get diverse talent. That's why Microsoft is putting their headquarters here. That's why all these other companies are moving to Georgia, because we are a talent hub and a talent destination. We've got to continue to work on that in this labor crisis that we're in right now, which is nationwide. But yeah, companies are moving here from all over the world, but those are the two big drivers. Infrastructure, I'd say, is probably the third thing, right? They want to make sure that they've got the right energy. They've got the right broadband. They've got the right roads and bridges. They want access to the ports. And we've got all of those.
1: You know, through the years, the Chamber has promoted a diverse grid uh, made up of lots of different sources. And I've been an advocate for that because I wanted to avoid things like that happened in Texas and the rolling brownouts in, in San Francisco. Is that an approach
0: that you think the chamber will continue to push? I think we have to, Commissioner. At the end of the day, uh, you know, we're I think we take it for granted in Georgia that we walk into a room and turn on a light switch and the lights come on and we don't have to worry about it. Uh, I hear from my peers all over the country that don't have that same reliability of the infrastructure that we've got. So you've got to have the diverse grid. Uh, we've also got to start thinking about what the world looks like. And I know you've been a big advocate of this, but you know, our uh, research shows that by 2050, 95% of all vehicle purchases are going to be electric. So what does that grid look like to support a very different environment in our state? And so, yeah, all those things make a difference, but we've got to get ahead of the, the curve on this long-term planning as well.
1: I was recently sitting down with one of Governor Deal's former top-level staffers, and he said to me, hey, Tim, keep promoting electric vehicles. It, it is the future. We've got this new SK Innovation deal done, and we want to continue to make progress in this area. I mean, do you see Georgians embracing EVs, especially with F-150s maybe getting electrified through those SK Innovation batteries? I-
0: I think it's, it's going to be a slow walk. You know, I, I'm out right now surveying, uh, asking questions all over the state, and I'll usually have three or four people in, in any given audience in any rural community say, I've got an EV or a hybrid. That's changing quickly. And I think if you look at, uh, simply look at the, um, the issue around Kia, right? So Kia just changed their name changed their logo, and made the announcement in the next few years, they're going to go to battery platforms uh, on all of their vehicles. And so with that, with the F-150, with the announcements of GM, with Volvo's announcements, Volkswagens just up in Chattanooga, you know, you're not going to have much choice in the next few years. And so we've just got to make sure we've got the right infrastructure in place. But I'm, I'm bullish on it.
1: One of the things that I've tried to do at the commission, and I'm so grateful to Commissioner Pride Moore for teaming up with me on this, is to allow Georgia Power to do more EV make ready for customers, wires and transformers that are required to bring a charger there. And without that assistance, it might be cost prohibitive to be able to put something in a parking deck or or on the backside of a parking lot. I mean, is that something you would favor us continuing to do is to allow the power company to do this
0: behind-the-scenes work to make it easier? I think we've got to let all of our power companies be as innovative as possible. We need to unleash all that innovation that's been pent up uh, on the power-producing side, but we've also got to make sure that we're pairing those utility companies up with the, with companies like Racetrack, headquartered here in Georgia, who want to put in electric charging stations at all of our Racetrack you know, uh, gas stations and convenience stores. And so I do think we're going to have to have a very uh, detailed conversation over the next few years about what that infrastructure and what that new uh, smart grid looks like.
1: The power company really has led the way. I mean for really almost seven years, they've had an overnight charging rate for electric vehicles that essentially almost give you free electricity overnight. Cobb EMC has done the same thing. I'm seeing more and more EMCs with Allen Shed kind of heading that up for Oglethorpe Power, I'm seeing more and more Utilities trying to make it easier for their customers to be able to try these new technologies. And frankly, Chris, it, if you charge a car in your home overnight, it provides greater grid utilization, and it essentially fractionally lowers everybody's rates.
0: It, it does, and I think as you see that built out in our homes, and then you see, you know, everywhere I go, every little hotel I stay in now, you've got the EV charging stations too. I mean, it, it really is with data mining that's going to go on. Uh, And so it really is going to be an innovative opportunity here in Georgia, I think, to lead. You know,
1: the Colonial Pipeline hack was concerning to us all, and and I think it was a wake-up call for a lot of Georgia companies that, hey, this could happen to me. And I was sitting there knowing, okay, that's a liquefied pipeline that affects, you know, fuel, but what what if this had been our methane pipeline that shut plant McDonough down and all of the gas plants? And you could have crippled, crippled our state. I mean, do you, do you see this investment in cybersecurity just increasing for everybody?
0: You're looking at almost a tenfold increase in cybersecurity investment from the corporate sector over the next five years. COVID expedited that. Our hospitals have been vulnerable. We've seen them attacked. Uh, obviously, Colonial Pipeline, uh, City of Atlanta with their ransomware. Uh, if, if your company hasn't had an attack yet, it will. You need to invest in that uh, protection of your consumer and your customer and your employees data at this point. This isn't going away. And this is, you know, we've passed some good bills here in George to help protect uh, companies, make it easier to go after the bad guys. But when you've got multi-state actors like Russia, like North Korea, like China attacking, looking for those cyber loopholes, Uh, this is going to be a federal issue for years and years to come. NATO is going to have to take a hard stand on this as well, Uh, but we need to be involved. I met in this office with the FBI two years ago who said they were setting up more operations in Georgia because of cyber threats here to businesses from all over the world. And so if I could really drive home that point to every business that's listening, no matter how small or how big, or no matter if you don't think anybody cares about your business, someone will try to hack. Someone will try to take your data, and you need to be prepared today.
1: You know, finally, something for all the kids that have been playing video games to to do and to contribute. I was at Microsoft uh, in Redmond, Washington, and they took me in their cyber room. And it looked like just like this conference room that we're in. And they pushed a button and the wooden walls were raised. And I looked through a glass and there were 50 people in there behind computer monitors, which I couldn't see. And they began to explain that we have a red team in a blue team here. We attack employees. We attack each other. We give a thousand dollar bonus if we can get somebody to bite on a, on a spearfishing. Uh, and we go out of our way to do this for us and our customers. And I was sitting there going, man, this is this is something that my son, who loved to play video games, would definitely get into.
0: Huh? Do we need to be pushing this? I mean, listen, we need more kids in STEM. We need to use these opportunities. This is going to be a huge you know, opportunity for growth in the, um, for our young men and women. But I'll give you an example. Here at the Georgia Chamber, we track about 40,000 attacks a month from almost every continent out there. And this is the Chamber of Commerce getting attacked. And so, yes, we need those young people focused on these skill sets. I know uh, there's some great programs at the high school level. Uh, We've seen new programs at Columbus State, at Macon State in Georgia. These are going to be great jobs. And if you look at the growth rate of those jobs, (laughs) it's going to go through the roof over the next few years.
1: Well, thank you for being on
0: today. How can folks find out about the Georgia Chamber? How can they become a member? So you can just go to gachamber.com and you can get all of our events, our programs. We work a a wonderful relationship with our local chambers, and I encourage all businesses to be members of their local chamber first. That's where the rubber meets the road. They're doing great work all over the state. But we invite you all to join us at our events, join our organization, uh, access our small business health care plan, our 401k plan. All those are available, and you can learn more at gachamber.com. And
1: you know I always tease you about how dapperly you dress. And I just, uh, my wife says I need to spend some time with you uh, and and you need to take me shopping and help me. I mean,
0: could we do that at another time? I'm happy to, but it's probably my wife that needs to take you shopping, but I'm happy to work with you, Commissioner. (laughs) Thanks for having me on.
1: Great to see you today. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters.
2: Logan Booker, producer of Energy Matters, here for Green Power EMC. From the suburbs to rural farming communities, Georgia is enjoying the benefits of a more sustainable future through the power of solar energy. Available from 38 of Georgia's member owned electric membership cooperatives, or EMCs, these not for profit utilities are harnessing the sun's energy to bring clean, renewable, and affordable electricity to 4.2 million Georgians. For more information, visit www.greenpoweremc.com or contact your local EMC.
1: but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Hey, Tim Eccles back on Energy Matters. On the road, actually, in Decatur, Georgia. Beautiful place. Don't get over here very often, but with a frequent guest, Carlos Walks. i uh, been on our show a number of times, and he's uh, just over in Avondale Estates doing a lot of cool things. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Tim. It's great
3: to be back with you, and I really appreciate you making time to check in with us. We're excited to be here.
1: Well, your company, XIQ, when we last left you, you guys were, you you had a special device that you had designed. It was going in golf carts. It, it was going in forklifts. It was going in, in all kind of equipment, and you have had just an incredible breakthrough, and I'm Uh, I'm I'm so proud of what I'm hearing. Give us an update first on the device and then this partnership you guys have with NASCAR. Well, what we're doing now is we're expanding the capabilities
3: of the device. The device, uh, as you pointed out, is a digital key that replaces the conventional key ignition on uh, just about every type of vehicle outside of the automotive industry. So we're talking about golf carts, UTVs, recreational vehicles, uh, uh, heavy equipment, things like that. The progress that we've made is our uh, IP is about connectivity of the device. The device enables a lot of things to happen, like location and IoT capabilities to give data on the users and the, and the assets. And I'm, I'm proud to say that we have advanced to the point where now we're moving out of the hardware phase into the software phase. You know, we have the legacy device now known as the Fleet Key. It was once called the Stinger, but now it's called the Fleet Key, F-L-E-E-T-Q-I, Fleet Key. And that was initially the manual engagement with the, 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 uh, the vehicle. Now users soon will be able to get data off of the device. Now that it's on the vehicles, we're able to address a versatile number of vehicles and we're going to be able to give data on the users. So
1: what kind of data, if I have a forklift or a tractor of some sort or a tram or some little small off-road vehicle, why do I need data? These days, theft is a huge problem. Aside from having the key, What we've done
3: is we've approached the problems one step at a time. Well, we've addressed getting rid of the key. The key was a huge problem, losing it, misplacing it. It was time, energy, money, trying to replace it and find it. Now, fleets that are using our device, they want to know about the users that are using their assets. And they want to know not only where their asset is, what's the condition of their asset and all things related, but they also want to know what are their users doing with it. They want accountability.
1: Yeah, so if I've got, you know, five forklifts uh, at my company, or let's take something that maybe I'm not really having a chance to lay my eyes on, let's say it's some kind of little skid steer or something out on a job site, what might your your fleet IQ tell me uh, that I wouldn't already know from, say, a supervisor? Well, the, the fleet key um,
3: would be able to tell you things like, For example, here's a real-life case, uh, a forklift at a location. um, And it's been incurring damage repeatedly. And no one's stepping up to admit that they're doing it. Therefore, the owner and manager of that asset have no idea not only who's committing this uh, problem, but how to stop it. And I'm going to be honest with you, minor problems or... uh, you know, minor wrecks on a device like a forklift, it could cost as much as $17,000 to get it repaired. Just, just one dent. And they want to be able to stop the problem before it occurs. And that's what we can do. We can tell you user behavior. We're going to be able to tell you not only where that vehicle is, but who's on it and when they were on it. So we can start to drill down on not only identifying user behavior, but curtailing problems, getting
1: to the problem before it happens so we stop the cost So the fleet key, I might have one code to drive the forklift and you might have another code so you know when I'm on it? Exactly. You know, the thing that people say is, hey, you know,
3: all this data and information, is that fair? And we say yes, because at the end of the day, these companies and these owners, that's their asset. They own it why shouldn't they have control why shouldn't they have more control they're being underserved with a lack of data opportunities in this market and here we are we're here to deliver and we figured out the hardest part the hardware we figured out how to integrate now we're going to move it into the into the software stage
1: if you're just joining us i'm talking to carlos walks of xi Q. He's been on our show a couple of times. He's got uh, this cool device. It used to be called a Stinger. It's called a Fleet Key now, uh, but it is solving a problem that a lot of companies were having. Hey, Carlos, you know, we talked about this this electric vehicle loaner idea using a Fleet Key. Um, Where's that project at, and what are some of the, I guess, the obstacles ahead for that, and what are some of the benefits? Well, We're getting one
3: step closer. I'm proud to say the reason why we're a step closer is because we just completed the Comcast NBC Universal Accelerator. And essentially, that accelerator opened up to us to a lot of new big partnerships that are going to enable us to not only develop the data portion, the IoT, but also start to develop that aspect of being able to reserve these vehicles. And that's going to be very important to us because, as you know, Tim, Alternative measures of transportation are being explored more and more every day. And these electric vehicles, these carts, these LSVs, they're not just used on golf courses anymore. They are being used in cart communities, communities that are enabled by these vehicles, communities that support these vehicles. It's happening, and we're going to bring the technology to them. And they want the technology. They want the comparable technology
1: to the automotive market, and that's what we're here to do car was sitting in my mobile studio my chevy volt um, down to four miles of range but the car really doesn't use many miles when it's just sitting the benefit is that we've got the air condition set on 62 and we are we are enjoying what uh, is an 86 degree day and we're in here we're doing our interview in the quietness but looking ahead of us there's a bmw i3 backed in next to a tesla and when i went to Munich. You could rent one of those BMW i3s right there by the minute. And I'm a, I didn't rent it. I rode in one. Another guy rented it. But I'm assuming you open it with an app. And, but it sounds similar to what you're doing, except that's on a car level. I mean, is this technology scalable? Absolutely.
3: And I'm glad you made that point about how that car, that automobile, has the capability to be rented. See, what's not happening is that capability in the non-automotive market, and there are so many opportunities, whether it's the reservation of a golf cart at a golf course, or the opportunity to go to a golf cart uh, fleet where you can rent one as if it were a lift bike, that opportunity is not there, and our technology will enable that. So you pointed out that that automobile has that capability in a forward-thinking city as Munich. We say, great! Great! Let's offer more opportunities in non-automotive vehicles that can do the
1: same thing. It's a brilliant idea, and I'm so excited. Uh, what about the at the racetrack? I, I know I, I'm a big race fan. I go to Road Atlanta, and there's all kind of golf carts that you can rent. Hardly any of them are electric, by the way. They're all gas, but, uh, but you can rent golf carts. Uh, there's other uh, vehicles around that are sitting there that are service vehicles, and um, you know, for, for for servicing thing like taking trash, and I mean, just a little small, like almost like Polaris Polaris uh, vehicles, um, and then of course race teams have their own a little uh, little engine, uh, and they have these little almost like little flat things that they put an engine on. They have the fuel things. I mean, there are lots of little vehicles that aren't tagged at a racetrack. I mean, it seems like that is low-hanging fruit.
3: Absolutely, and that's why NASCAR stepped up uh, as one of our, as our main partner in the accelerator. They had a need that we could, uh, a problem that we could solve. They have a large area where they operate. A lot of fans, a lot of space, and they utilize these carts on a more operational level. What they identified was the huge inefficiencies that were related to having a key, and that's where we, we stepped in. So it's a one-step-at-a-time process. What we're doing now is we're addressing getting rid of the key. Next, it's operational efficiencies. How do we serve the concession carts, the parking carts, the transportation carts at that event? And then we move our way up to dealing with rentals and so forth. One step at a time. And fortunately, we're working with the big partners to be able to introduce this to the market. So people can say, hey, if the big guys are doing it, I want a piece of that too. And the good news is... The regular average everyday person with their car can do that, and we want to enable electric to have those capa- electric carts to have that capability as well.
1: But regardless of the fuel type, it sounds like it just increases efficiency, absolutely. utilization. So, so I mean, efficiency matters because that speeds everything up, absolutely. And the biggest, most important thing is the user
3: has a better experience. When you can increase operational efficiency across the board, whatever industry, the user, i.e. the customer, has a better experience. And that's what we're here to do. We want the customer to have a better experience at the park. We want the person at the golf course to have a better experience. They want to have more time on the course, great. They can reserve their cart before they even get to the course. Things like that. You get to a NASCAR event, you want to be able to rent a cart. You don't even have to go find. You can go to the phone, find it, it'll be ready.
1: Everyone can manage it. Everyone's happy, a better experience all over. Wow. Well, just in our last minute, how many folks you got working over there at XIQ now? We are a
3: small team. You know, We, we are a startup, but we're growing. There's two core members, me and my co-founder, Florian Meyer, who's our CTO. And then we have uh, a few dedicated members in our sales team. But over time, we're going to grow, but we have had a dedicated few that have stayed on top of this to make this happen, and uh, we're determined to do it. And fortunately, through the accelerator, we've got big opportunities that are enabling us to grow. So keep an eye on us; we're we're getting bigger and bigger.
1: Hey, why don't you stick around for one more segment? Let's talk some more about sustainability and some of the stuff that you guys are doing. How does that sound? Sounds like well, Let's do it. Hey, it's Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Stick around; we'll be right back with Carlos Wall.
0: This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMW Auto Sales.
2: With gas prices hitting over $3 for the first time since 2014, isn't it time you consider a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid from BMW Auto Sales? These plug-in hybrids will go 50 miles on electric charge, saving you precious money and time. Skip the line at the gas pumps and charge in your garage. See more at ev-hybrid.com. That's ev-hybrid.com.
1: Hey, Tim Eccles, welcome back to Energy Matters. On the road, actually in my Chevrolet Volt from BMW Auto Cell, sitting here indicator with the car running but yet the engine's not running because it's got an electric motor as well so got the air conditioning going got Carlos walks back with me for one more segment Carlos how cool is it that you can sit here and idle and really do it guilt free because we're not we're not contributing anything to greenhouse gases we're sitting here in an electric car
3: well technology is a beautiful thing And it's amazing to sit here and think maybe five or 10 years ago, this may have not been possible. So look at the progression that we've made. And the beautiful thing is that this is all in the name of environmentalism. And it's great to see big companies stepping up like Chevy, creating the Volt. To be able to do this, this is exciting because they don't have to do this, but they are, and they know it's for the greater good of the uh, of society as far as the earth is concerned.
1: You know, every car dealer I talk with, and I was at Hayward Allen the other day, they uh, have a RAV4 hybrid, that just my wife's. I had it in there for, for service and went by and talked to my sales guy there, and he said, man, we just don't have any inventory. It's the chip thing. We can't get any cars. And it's the chip thing impacting more than just automobiles
3: it's impacting everything we're feeling it you know our device is an electronic device and um you know as we are evolving our device going from our first generation to our next generation we're adapting things we're making things better that requires a device that can handle uh, a different technological challenge i.e chips are required and it's a challenge for us we're 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 finding that the supply chain shortage is affecting us, a a small company like ours, and we're trying to adapt and make sure that our companies keep getting product. And we're we're going to provide.
1: When you create something like the Stinger, that's now the Fleet Key, and it's a it's a device that that's going to be that obviously that has some technology. And we talk about Mm -hmm. technology on our show. How do you go about actually making that very first device? Is it in a laboratory? Is it in a garage? How does that happen? It's, it's that aha
3: moment that we all hear about. Um, you know, my co-founder, Florian Meyer, is a brilliant individual. And he's the one that invented the device. And it was, a, it was an aha moment for him. He saw a problem. He was living in a golf cart community. He saw a lot of theft going on. And he realized, oh, wow, this key is at the heart of that problem. So he thought on another level. And he created the, the, the raw first uh, uh, prototype. And then, of course, we teamed up and... I built the company together with him. Uh, but it was that aha moment of identifying a clear problem. And we wanted to come up with an elegant solution for it that could expand over time and solve
1: more problems. I was recently down in Peachtree City. It had been a while since I had been on the back roads of Peachtree City, and I was just stunned, one, about how many golf cart paths they have down there. And then and then the sheer number of carts that they have registered down there, th- this community was really ahead of its time because it was created back in the 70s. Uh, So, I mean, Peachtree City, I mean, I I assume there's other places like it, uh, maybe down in Florida, uh, maybe other places, but how unique is Peachtree City?
3: Well, Peachtree City was an outlier, but the beautiful thing is, and, and, and it was an outlier with a great model, a model that has lasted the test of time. But it's taken time for other communities to recognize that that model works. And the good news is is that more communities are being designed with that Peachtree City model in mind. And it's great to see. But yes, Peachtree City is a shining example of how a community can support all levels of transportation on these very efficient carts, and families are
1: very happy with it. It serves their lifestyle day in and day out. It's a great place. It really is. I grew up just north of there in Morrow and Riverdale, and we didn't venture down to Peachtree City much except for my football games because in, in Wee football we, we played them. Uh, and so uh, as I went through there as a young person— uh, it seemed strange. The signs were small, yeah. uh, the, the paths, the pretty landscaping. Frankly, growing up on the south side of Atlanta, it wasn't something I was used to. And I, I just have to think that all of the Delta pilots that live there who are very precise people, they follow instructions to the syllable. Yeah. If you've ever listened to, uh, you know, the the cockpit channel or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you, do you think my theory that doing this with a bunch of Delta pilots uh, and other pilots out of the Atlanta airport made all the difference?
3: First, the community was created out of a need, you know, a need to serve these families that were working, you know, near the airport that were serving the airlines and wanted to have a community that was close and that satisfied uh, their needs as far as their lifestyles to support, you know, that industry. And the good news is that it's, it's evolved um, and it's evolved for a reason because it works. And it works because it was built uh, with people that understood dedication, consistency, following a plan <laughs> and seeing it through over time. And here we have this great town like Peachtree City with a lot of great customers. They use our device to protect their, their assets out there. And, and we're, I'm proud to say that uh, the idea was, uh, it was um, the
1: genesis of the idea came out of that town. Great place. Wow, that's that's exciting. We're talking with Carlos Walks of XIQ about what used to be called the Stinger It's now called the Fleet Key. Take take me through the evolution of this device because the name has evolved, but the product has evolved too, right? Absolutely.
3: You know, the first thing we wanted to address was the key. You know, get, and that's why our tagline is "Keyless Live More." What we found was, and it's it's going to seem like such an oversimplified approach, but this key, this pesky key was causing a lot of issues. It was getting lost and people were forgetting it. And it was causing a lot of time wasted looking for it, trying to remember where it was. And that's where the plan of attack was. That was the core focus problem that we wanted to deal with. And we knew that it could open other doors. And fortunately, when the market was able to understand the value of us getting rid of that key, that opened their eyes. And it's always opening that first door to get people to accept more and more and
1: more. And here we are. I'll open a drawer and I will see some small keys, probably that that are about golf cart size keys. And I don't remember where these keys go. Is that a filing cabinet? Was that a desk drawer? Was that a? I guess that is the the kind of scurrying that happens when people are looking for a key. They're tearing everything apart right. to find this key, right? Right. In the beginning, people
3: saw our product. It's like anything new. Know there was resistance, they didn't understand, they were they felt threatened. What is this new thing? And what we would do is we would calmly explain, Hey, look over at your car, do you need a key? You use a key fob. When was the last time you used a key for your car? I don't know about you, but. I remember I was in high school. It was about late 80s when I started seeing key fobs show up. And I remember the arguments, oh, my key, I'm going to forget. And if you give someone a key today, they would look at like like you're crazy because now it's you push a bet and it's RFID technology. So what we would say is, now imagine that on your cart because you're using that more than your car. Shouldn't you have that technology? And people would say, hey, you know what, you're right. Now, fast forward, people are demanding comparable technology for their carts. That they have in their cars, and they want more and more of it. And XIQ is here to provide it.
1: You know, it would seem like if you were an insurance company and someone used the XIQ fleet key, that you would actually reduce the premium because there's probably a greater chance the thing's not going to be stolen. 100%. It is a security measure, it reduces
3: the liability of that vehicle. I can't wait to work with the first insurance company that's ready to step up and work with us and say, hey, listen, you have something here. We're we're open to it. So I invite any insurance provider, give me a call. You know, we will help you understand the product and help you understand the reduction in liability due to the security measure that our product provides.
1: Ready to do it. You know, I think next year you're going to see the insurance commissioner, our insurance commissioner, out there in public a lot. I think we need to get the XIQ in front of the Georgia state insurance commissioner.
3: Oh, I'm, I, I'm more than happy to do it because, you know, working with great Georgia state leaders such as yourself, I've come to understand that you know Georgia is a progressive state looking for new ideas and, and ready to move on them. So whether it's Tim Eccles or the state insurance commissioner... I'm excited to have these kinds of conversations, but more importantly, I'm ready to work together as a team to solve all these issues, especially when it comes to serving the environment and protecting the consumer. Hey, we're ready to, to play that game and to win it together. I, I, I'm really excited. I mean, sitting here with you is exciting because, wow, you know, you, you're taking time for us and we really appreciate that. We really appreciate you considering it us worthy to be on the this show. This is something is, what you're doing is really great and we're, we're glad to be a part of it.
1: Hey, we're talking to Carlos Walks. Just another minute, Carlos. We were talking earlier about personal sustainability, and your wife is German, and she has got you. She's got you sorting through your trash a little bit different. Just close right. us out with that story. Well, the funny thing is, is that um, you know, I I I seem
3: to think, oh well, any and all plastic goes in this bin. Any and all paper goes in this bin. And my wife reminds me, ah uh, ah uh, ah, uh, you have to be a little bit more careful, a little bit more deliberate with your choices. You know, she's educated me to the fact that not all plastics are recyclable. You have to pay attention to uh, what, how the plastic uh, is categorized, and, that, and the plastic will tell you. And so the problem is, is if you take a piece of plastic that is not recyclable and you throw it into a bin of plastic that is, it spoils the batch, and that batch is not recyclable. I didn't realize this. She's been great in keeping me on the straight and narrow, so I thank her very much for that. P- keep, keep an eye on that, folks. Uh, that's one of the
1: things. If we leave the show with this, keep an eye on that. Wow, that is fantastic. How can folks get in touch with you at XIQ?
3: You can uh, call me direct at 310-401-4977. That's 310-401-4977. I will pick up the phone and we can talk about... Want to learn about the product, what we're doing, where we're heading? Want a partnership? Let's talk. We're right there for it. That's Carlos Walk, CEO of XIQ. Hey, stick
1: around for our final segment today, and I'm going to be interviewing a gal who actually wrote a song about me. Yeah, we're going to play the song, too. You stick around. I'm Tim Eccles. You're listening to Energy Matters. Tim Eccles here for Marlin Gas Services. Marlin doesn't sell gasoline, propane, or even natural gas, but they do solve problems and difficult ones when traditional pipelines are shut down. Remember that contractor that pierced the pipe at the bottom of the Savannah River, terminating gas service to all of Hutchinson Island? Marlin was there. They trucked highly compressed gas over to the island, restoring gas service until the repair could be made. See more at MarlinGas.com. That's MarlinGas.com.
2: This segment of Energy Matters is sponsored by Hall Booth Smith. This law firm works with over 88 Fortune 500 companies, and they have offices from Brunswick to Athens, Tifton to Columbus, and, of course, Atlanta. We'd like to thank Hall Booth Smith for the great work they do with school boards, hospitals, cities, and counties all over our state. See more at
1: hallboothsmith.com. Hey, Tim Eccles back. On the road, indicator Hey, we've got a pack studio, and today my pack studio is my Chevy Volt, still running on electrons out here in the parking lot. Carlos walks, walked in the back seat now, and Aviva of Aviva and the Flying Penguins, welcome to the studio. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. At the end of our show today, we're going to play the song that you wrote. So you're holding a ukulele. So first, let me ask you, it looks like a little baby guitar.
4: This is a very special ukulele. It's an electric Les Paul ukulele. Her name is Ellie Belly.
1: Wow! So a ukulele—it's it's at three strings or four strings. This is four. Now understand, I know nothing about playing a guitar or any stringed instrument, so it's just all Greek to me. But I've seen you play this before because you are an activist who uses music. Uh, to to voice your opinion, and I first saw you sing a song in our commission hearing about a a topic you were concerned about, and I I was just sitting there smiling uh, because it was just, it was was fun.
4: And you tweeted about it, too.
1: I tweeted about it, and I love the rhyme that you did, do it for him, Tim, and you kind of tied in my faith with what you wanted me to do.
4: Oh, I like how you were able to see that
1: and I still have the original poster that you made. I've got it in my office. Wow. And my friend John Noel, who was our former co-host on this show. I know I know you know him well and he he loves your music and Uh, so, uh, he and I have joked about this. He and I kind of go at it on the radio, uh, but he's such a, he's such a fun guy. such an entertaining and an engaging guy. When you think about activism, do you feel like things are too hostile out there? Do we need to be nicer?
4: I have always approached activism kind of like that children's story about the sun shining instead of the wind to get the jacket off of somebody. Do you remember that story where they had a little contest? Who can get his jacket off? I'm gonna blow this wind and I'm gonna get it off. And then the sunshine just shined the sun and then the man just took off his jacket naturally. Because I really think that we all can win and we all want the same thing, which is happiness, which is love, which is harmony. And so to get that, we really need to peace for war, not fight for war. You know, we need to Really come to that natural vibration together of breathing out, breathing in. We all do want the same thing ultimately. And so there's got to be a way to peacefully come to that instead of having to fight for it.
1: You and I have had, we've exchanged texts, we've exchanged emails, um, and I mean, we have developed a, a relationship and by having a relationship, you have a conversation, you come to understanding, you come to an appreciation, you appreciate, appreciate each other's talents. Don't you think that more people need to build relationships with elected officials?
4: That is a really good point, Tim. It really is all about relationship, but with any relationship, it takes trust and it takes time to develop. And I think a lot of people have become bitter because they feel lied to.
1: Yeah, and politicians have kind of a reputation for saying whatever maybe convenient at the time. So I think it it is important for elected officials. And I really like to refer to myself as an elected official and not a politician because politician has such a bad reputation (laughs) that that I want to be accessible to people. I, I want to be transparent to people. I want to be honest with people in the sense that I'm telling them both sides of issues because there's always two sides to an issue. There's more than that sometimes. You know, you have worked out here in the state on the, the hemp issue, and I'm learning about this. Honestly, I don't know that much about it. I mean, I was kind of a, a goody-goody, right, in high school. I have never had a beer I have never smoked a cigarette. I have never smoked pot. I've never taken any drugs. I am 61 years old, and I'm still this, you know, naive person out there. So I kind of approach everything from my naivety, if you will.
4: I'm still a goody-goody. <laughs> I'm still straight edge, although I did just write my first diss rap which I'm really proud of. And that brings me to another point is that we all have emotions that are sometimes repressed. And I think that leads us to act in certain ways. So if we already have suppressed rage, if we already have that we're feeling burned by, you know, something that happened in our past, then that's going to come out through our activism. That's going to come out through any career that we choose. And so we have to be diligent and really work on that, really work on ourselves. I really do believe that changing ourselves changes the world. And the more we tap into our creative suppressions, the more we can be more effective with expressing ourselves like the sunshine instead of the wind.
1: In our conversations, you've got me thinking more because of your questions about our plants and uh, I'm talking to power plants, but 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 real plants, you've you've got me asking questions out there because uh, frankly, you're you're asking me questions I don't know the answer to, so I'm having to go find out. So. I've actually now got a tour of the milkweed garden at Plant Shearer coming up. Um, and so I'm, I'm going a little further with this stuff on bees and butterflies. And, and I even talked to my brother about it. And he said, yeah, Tim, I have clover hay. I need those bees and butterflies to, you know, to, to work on my hay and do their magic so that my crop uh, is better and the horses and cows that eat my hay have a better hay. As such a highly developed animal
4: the human it's easy to forget that nature has intelligence beyond our intelligence and so to see that is so inspiring when i first learned that hemp could be used to actually remediate the land you know like ground ivy like milkweed like a lot of other plants i said to myself why is it not being used more why are we using plastic instead of hemp and of course the first thing i learned was that hemp could be used for fuel for gasoline and that just blew my mind.
1: Well, I I'm, I mean we've got about another minute and a half uh, to go and I want to ask you one more question before we before we close out our show today with your your song. When you write a song, and I mean I'm, I'm not a musical person, but I mean I mean you have to just from nothing you you take a key and you create a melody and, and I mean that's got to be hard.
4: It's a language. You know, some people are born speaking English. Some people speak other languages. Musical language is absolutely a thing, and it was in me since I was a small child. And by the time I graduated high school, I stopped speaking that—I mean, college— I stopped speaking that language fluently, and I had to get out of my own way and return to some of that inner child work and working on my emotions to let it flow
1: again. Well, we're about to tee up this song. How can folks find out more about the Flying Penguins?
4: You can go to avivaandtheflyingpenguins.com. You can go to youtube.com slash out to hear my most popular song, How you gonna change the world? Are you gonna be the change? Are you gonna wait for change to rearrange you? <laughs>
1: Okay, we're going to close out the show today with a very special song about me. So, y'all, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy.
5: We live in Georgia and love our state. One reason is our super low electric rate. We have Tim Eccles to thank at the PSC. I know he works hard for you and me. Tim travels our state, helping people save With solar panels, biomass, wind, and even wave No one works harder, we all know his speed Tim Eccles is a winner, we need him to lead Vote Tim, vote Tim Let's keep him in Vote Tim, vote Tim Vote him, vote him, keep Georgia on track. Vote him, vote him, his record is the fact. Vote him, vote him, keep Georgia on track. Vote him, vote him, he's got your back. Tim, cause he's easy to reach. He solves people's problems from mountains to beach. He listens, he learns, he cares for us all. Even bees and butterflies No, he's on call. Tim brings in new technology and innovates our state. He considers our life's quality and getting us all rebates. Tim in service with a clarion call he's great for georgia and works hard for us all vote him vote him let's keep him in vote him vote him and we all win vote him vote him keep georgia on track vote him vote him he's got your back yeah is a leader who cares about Mother Earth. Our plants, the ocean, drinking water, he sees have so much worth. And Tim supports charities while helping those in need, fights human slavery, and teaches children to lead. He educates consumers. Radio show each week. Tim listens to all parties and God's wisdom he does see. Keep him in service with a clarion call. He's great for Georgia and works hard for us all. Vote Tim, vote Tim. Let's keep him in. Vote Tim, vote Tim, and we all win. Vote Tim, vote Tim. Keep Georgia on track. Vote Tim, vote Tim. He's got your back. Vote Tim. Tim, Let's keep him in. Vote Tim, vote Tim. And we all win. Vote Tim, vote Tim. His record is a fact. Vote Tim, vote Tim. Let's keep him. Let's keep Tim on George's track.
2: You